Welcome to Demogranomics, your insight to the powerful surprises ahead for the US economy. Demogranomics, where people make markets. And now, here is Mike Williams. Hello there and welcome back to the podcast. It's Mike here. Um, let's call this one the real surprise. So often when it relates to markets or investing, we hear the word surprise and it almost subconsciously takes on a negative feel. We've been trained by the frenzied process of data and media to assume that surprise is something that's always a bad thing. Somehow, some way, always a bad thing. We remain confident with this idea. Over the next three, five, 10, and 20 year periods, we will pause for a moment and look back on the haze of 2014, 15, and 16 with a, a largely different understanding what has felt like a, a long walk through a vast field of quicksand with a market that has effectively been stalled will be seen instead as more like a pause, a lunch stop, if you will, a, a new foundation from which to grow, not a top to be turned away. We're pretty confident you're going to see that pretty soon. Overlooked. You see, while the media has us focused on the always ready up to the second disaster in the making, some may have understandably missed a few points while everybody fretted. The UK markets right now are far higher today than they were two days after Brexit and up for the year prior to the vote. U.S. leading economic indicators are doing just fine. ISM manufacturing and services readings are surprising vastly to the upside. Remember, services are 80% of our economy. Manufacturing is 10. Let's think about this for a second from a larger perspective. Activity in both uh, manufacturing and services sector of the U.S. economy have improved significantly over the last couple of months. More important is to recall that the service sector of the economy is far more vital to understand. It does eight times the work that the manufacturing sector does, with the government making up about the other 15%. Why is this important? Well, obviously, the health of the service sector is the most important elephant to watch. The latest news, surprising all the experts again, suggests the vast portion of our economy is doing just fine thanks. The last decade of LEIs shows us that right this minute, okay, right this minute, we are higher in LEI readings than at any other time in the past with the exception of the year 2007. Now, do you remember what 2007 was? 2007 was the higher activity, which turned out to be a real estate bubble. In fact, basically erasing its validity in the long run. If you took away 2007, we are at a record high reading of the leading economic indicators. Why do I point this out? Simple. A long-term view shows that the bubble in real estate that one year was the only time in the history of our country where leading economic indicators were weaker than where we are now. This logically hints that the perception the bond market is sniffing out of seemingly 
cataclysmic problems is just, well, likely incorrect. Here's the unfortunate issue with bonds, though. We are no longer seeing a logical view in the bond market ahead or based on U.S. perspectives. It's becoming its own self-fulfilling briar patch. More important, we're not even really in control of it. The global investor community has now taken the reins. Be assured that the ravenous need for safety is being driven and fed by other global regions providing even lower rates in their own country. Those global investors are looking at the United States government and corporate bond markets and seeing vast opportunity when compared to their homelands. But Mike, we're at record lows. That's got to be bad, right? You're missing something, aren't you? I know, I hear that often. And yes, I suppose the world could be ending, but alas, it's highly unlikely. As is often the case, we've seen this before. The previous all-time low in 10-year yields was 1.39% instead of 1.33. It was registered on July 24, 2012. Investors who bought that 10-year bond that day and still hold it have since pocketed a total return of about 5.7%. Not too shabby in a world of no yield. However, had investors bought the S&P 500 that day instead, requiring, of course, that they ignored the then widespread fears of global recession and deflation, which plagued markets four years ago. By the way, does that sound familiar? They received a total return of 54%, or 10 times what the bond buyer got. Meanwhile, gold and commodity prices fell some 15%, even allowing for the recent rallies. So as, as many people don't realize over the long run, years of being terrified moves all the stuff that people are afraid of. This nearly psychotic view of risk and the need to manage it has fooled even the brightest. What's the bigger point? This surely is not intended to suggest one throws all perception of risk in the garbage heap. However, it does highlight that the future doesn't always turn out to be as bad as the market or vast number of experts expects. Remember, the previous record was a couple years ago in the bond market. It looked bad then, back in 2012. It looked terrible. But since then, you only earned 5.7% versus 54% in the stock market. Rather than buying into this hysteria, let's keep this as basic as possible. Why? Market participants find themselves now carrying a lengthy list of worries accumulated from years of tumultuous activity, quantitative easing, negative yields overseas, slowing growth, geopolitical tensions, horrible fiscal policies here and abroad, inflation, deflation, low oil, high oil, strong dollar, weak dollar. It goes on and on and on and on. But fears at this level in this many channels at once have a very lengthy record of being wrong. Seen another way, in order for an investment today in a 10-year treasury bond to beat alternative investments. Remember, you are guaranteed 1.3% in your return for a decade. 
for treasuries to beat all other alternative investments, an awful lot of very bad things are going to have to happen over the next few years. Let's cut through the garbage. Our process is simple, intuitive, and explainable. We study people. Where are they? Where are they headed? And what do those stages of life normally entail? No, that does not mean every single person in each of those bell curves of age at every stage of life will do the exact same thing. Of course not. But it does mean one can then logically understand more likely long-term sector headwinds and tailwinds. We then look at those things and buy companies run by people with track records of success in industries and business models with a competitive advantage and a vast number of people heading their way with ample demand. We work hard to buy at good times and then, for the hardest part of all, we hold them for longer than most of our competition is willing to do. Why? Well, let's think about it logically. If we know that 86 million people are moving through the same basic stage of life for the next 50 years, why in the world would a quarterly report of missing by a penny cause that demand pipeline to change? Well, of course it wouldn't. Recall this fact as a part of any portfolio. Investing is about probabilities, and probabilities entail elements of luck and risk at all times. But the process isn't based on cross fingers or palm reading. It's based on decades of evidence that shows something too many overlook. People count first. People drive markets. It's not the other way around. So after we know the people part of the equation, patience and competitive advantage help to combine for a higher chance of investor success over the long term. Indeed, investors of all sizes shouldn't focus only on returns. Those can change in the near term and throw one off course easily from year to year. In the end, we always suggest one should instead strive for a rational process which they can understand and can offer higher chances of success over long periods of time without relying on luck or the flavor of the month Wall Street strategy. Boring, yes, but effective. Like it or not, the barbell economy is running forward of the pack, through and under all the mess. If we're not careful, our fears can blind us to what is really going on. Check WhiteWave this morning, a member of the growth portfolio. It's driven by a simple thing, a massive wave of customers who desire better and healthier milk. Easy, right? Well, it got bought out today by Danone, too cheaply, I would argue. But in a sea of raging fear, smart investors can string together events which will later look like theft when we are no longer terrified of our own shadow. The most uncomfortable thought of all, the U.S. economy has so far survived the worst set of fiscal policies imaginable coming out of D.C. over the last seven years. In spite of what, in spite of that, we can thank our demographics as our economy is set to get even stronger for years and years ahead, not weaker. 
Hope these thoughts have been helpful. Listen to them again if you need to, but pay attention to the bigger picture. We're going to have more later for you. Until we see you again on the next podcast, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.